The following talk was given at the Sati Center for Buddhist Studies in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at sati.org. Well, it's really, really great to be here and to see so many people coming out for Pali for practice. Who would have thought? Um, so, yeah, thank you, Rob. Uh, it's wonderful to be here under the auspices of the Sati Center. And thank you for choosing to spend a couple of hours on your Saturday um, doing this. So um, what I'd like to do is a, a short introduction to our couple of hours um, together in a moment. Um, but before I do that, I'd like to start with a short Sanskrit chant, which I think brings a lovely vibe um, to a study session. So. Some of you may know this. Um, this is from the Tattariya Upanishad. It, it's a chant that would have been around at the time of the Buddha and traditionally chanted when a teacher and student sit down um, together for a period of practice. So I'll recite this in Sanskrit and then give a translation so that we, we all have a good understanding of what it means. Om Sahana Bhavatu Sahana Bhunaktu Sahaviryam Karvavai Tejasvina Bhatita Mastu Avidhashavahai Om Shanti 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 So what does this mean? Om Sahana Bhavatu is may we both be protected, and this is protected in, in body, but also in mind. Sahanabhavatu, sahanabhunaktu, may we both be nourished, again, body and mind. Sahaviryam karavavahai, may, may our energy, may we, we create energy, may we arouse energy. Te jasvina vaditamastu, May, may what we study, what, what we learn, what we attain, may that be bright, brilliant, shining. And ma vidvishavahai, let us not quarrel, let us not argue, let, let there be no animosity. Om shanti shanti shanti, peace, peace, peace. So it brings this lovely energy of, you know, we're, we're, we're here to, to investigate together, to, to use the hive mind to to come to the the some some understanding of of these teachings and how we can apply them to our practice and you know it's not about argument or scoring points or debate or anything like that but it's it's about you know let us work together without animosity arousing energy so that what we do here today what we learn what we study um that that's it's brilliant and bright and shining So, again, yeah, lovely to see um, so many faces, some familiar, some some new friends. Um, so what I'll do now is just give a, a short introduction to what we'll be doing today. And while I'm doing that, um, you know, it's, we, we're a fairly big group. So so what I'd like to do is just invite you to pop in the chat um, your name, if it's not obvious, from, from your, your Zoom um, handle, uh, where you're calling in from. And also just one or two words about your level of poly. And I mean, like, you know, none, a little, some, a lot. And just to get a sense of 
who who's here today so who am i um you know the 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 details from from rob um so what what i'll jump in with is one of the reading groups that he talked about um that's with john kelly who, who some of you may know he's a a longtime assistant to bhikkhu bodhi and I'm part of a, a weekly reading group with him. And one of the first, um, one of the first, uh, suttas that we read was the Satipatthana Sutta. And that was a really interesting experience because, of course, I knew the, the, the Sutta in English. And then I was expecting certain words as we were reading it in Pali. And some of those words were different than what I expected. Um, and I found that quite interesting. So, so I, I made a list of those words, looked them up, contemplated them, and and they've really, really informed uh, my practice. Um, and then I'm also part of a an online peer to peer sangha dharma mechanics, and you know it came time for for me to to offer something for the the group, and I thought, well, let let me offer um, these words that that just kind of leapt out at me from. From the Satipatthana Sutta, and in Dharma mechanics, they they also record their sessions. And Kim Allen, who's one of the board members for the Sati Center, uh, saw one of those sessions um, with Dharma mechanics. I found it helpful and asked if I would uh, do something similar here. And of course, I said yes. So here here we are. This is this is how it's happened. Um, so this is really the, these words will be going. Over it's just a handful of them, but they've really helped my practice. And my aspiration for today is that they'll they'll give you know you some some insights, some food for thought, um, that it might help your practice as well. Um, so what we'll be doing is we, we've we've got two sections. Um, one is is just the first key words that that leapt out at me from the sutta. There's a, around half a dozen of them, um, and what. What we'll do is we'll we'll look at the standard translation, the etymology, and and other ways to to look at these words. Um, and I'd like to invite you to to really be you know actively engaging with this to try to to feel your own way into these words and and what they mean to you. Um, you know, rather than trying to memorize things, it's you know, let's let's get a flavor of of what these words mean, the range of the ma- the meanings they can have. Um, so we'll we'll do that for this this first handful of words. Um, what what I'm thinking is that we'll we'll go into breakout rooms so that you can have you know five or ten minutes in small groups to to just kind of chew over these these things a bit um, in a, a more intimate setting, um, and then come back to the large group. Then then we'll take a, a break so that you know, we can stretch and do what we need, and then we'll come back and we'll basically do the same thing with um, the hindrances. Um, again, looking at standard translations, etymology, other ways to look at these words. And, and I want to be really clear that, you know, what, what we're doing today is not challenging the, the, the standard translations. It's not saying the standard translations are wrong. No, they're, they're great. The, the issue is with Pali and, and you find this with Sanskrit as, as well. And um, I started studying Sanskrit last year and that's really also informed, um, my understanding, and you'll see I bring in a little bit of that today. Um, what, what you find with both these languages is that there's such a richness in, in the language that it, you know, I say that the translators have an impossible job 
to do the translation. There, there, you, you lose richness and you lose double entendres when you translate to English. So, you know, the translators, thank goodness we've, we've got the translations that we do. The translations are fine. What we're trying to do today is, is to, to uncover what, what other nuances are there that the translators just couldn't capture in any single word that, that they chose. So does that all sound good to everyone? Shall we? Oh, and the other thing I wanted to say is, um, is please feel free to, to ask questions and make comments as we go. Um, uh, what, what I'll do is I'll stop kind of after each, each word, um, that, that we're investigating and create a space for that. But if there's something that's really burning, you know, feel free to, to just jump in and, and do feel free to unmute yourself and, and, and say something because I'll be sharing the screen and I, I very well may not see a, a zoom hand if you raise that. Okay. So, um, the very first word, you know, we were reading through and I was thinking, okay, so mindfulness of the body or, you know, that's going to be like Kaya Sati, right? No, it wasn't Kaya Sati. It was Kaya Nupasana. So the key word here is Anupasana. Now, what, what we've done is, um, what we've got here is under uh, on the left hand side we've got section that means which section in the satipatthana sutta this occurs so we've got mindfulness of body feelings mind and mind objects or dhammas anupasana our key word occurs in all four of those sections that's why i have all four of those sections listed here so we've got kaya anupasana mindfulness of the body veda anupasana mindfulness of feelings chitta anupasana Mindfulness of the mind and Dhamma Okay, so in the middle column, I've got what the Pali word is in italics, and then what what the common um, translations are. So here you see contemplating, and we've got Bhikkhu Bodhi, Bhikkhu Nyanamoli, Ivy Horner uses that. Observing, that's Sudasu Bhikkhu and Bhikkhu Sujato, and then over. On the, the right-hand column, we've got definitions that, that come from the various polydictionaries, and then which is what I call further information. So we've got the word repeated at the top. DPD is the Digital Polydictionary, which is a fantastic online resource. Um, uh, PED is the Poly English Dictionary, and Cone, that's Margaret Cone's Dictionary, which is three volumes. There will be one or two more volumes um, there are certain words that she hasn't gotten to, uh, so we don't always have input from Cone just because that dictionary it's it's currently being written and it's it's incomplete at this time. Okay, so we've got the various poly um, dictionary definitions, and then I've just got like for this one a little bit of information to about the word it's you know a feminine abstract noun from the verb anupasati and then uh, for many of these i give you some of the etymology and what i've done is put prefixes in pink and then kind of the main word in in blue 
All right. So anupasana, that, that's, that's a noun. And if we look at digital poly dictionary, it means watching, witnessing, following, observing. Poly English dictionary, similar. Looking at, viewing, contemplation, consideration, realization. Cone is also looking at, viewing, contemplation. Uh, but this is where it gets really interesting. So when we look at the etymology, that's this line here, anupasati. Anupasati comes from, it's derived from the prefix anu and the verb pasati. So pasati means to see. It's like a bog standard word in Pali to see something. Pasati. Anu has this sense of following or along. So if you put this together quite, quite literally, oh, and I've got some definitions of Anu from, from the dictionaries. Um, so Cohn has with, along, one after the other, repeatedly. So if you put these together, you get this sense of you're seeing, but you're not just seeing once. You're seeing again and again and again and again and again and again. You're following along with something. So maybe that's following along with the breath. Maybe that's following along with feelings. If, if we remember in the Satipatthana Sutta, what the analogy that's used here is, it's an absolutely perfect analogy. It's the analogy of the carpenter or the carpenter's apprentice who's working on a lathe. So anybody who's worked on a lathe, you know that you've got this piece of wood that's turning, turning, and then you're working this piece of wood that's turning, and, and you need to be on the ball, right? You don't just pay attention for, you know, like two moments and then check out for two more moments and then come back to it because then you've ruined your piece of wood. Right? You need to stay with it again and again and again and again. There's this continuity one after the other. It's just an exquisite um, um, analogy for, for anupasati or eternity means anupasana. Okay. Well, it's actually a, a good place to, to stop and, and just check in. You know, how, how does this land with with folks. I mean, I, I just found this breaking, breaking this apart into the etymology made this word just come alive. Um, I see, Anu, you've got a hand raised. Would, would you like to chip in? Yes, please. So I actually had a question when I was contemplating that uh, line. Bhikkhu kai kayanupasi viharati. So it's kayanupasi viharati. Um, does that mean, so for, actually I have two questions, please. What, uh, grammatical construct is Kayanupasi? Uh, and it means following along, seeing? Yeah. Um, okay, so I need to go back to, can, can you see, um, now I've got on the screen, I think, from Sutta Central, the English and the Pali side by side. Can you guys see that? No. All right. Um, but I'm looking for exactly what you're saying. I believe 
Um, well, I've got a hunch what it is. So you're saying it's Anupasani. Anupasi. Oh, Anupas. Uh, we can, we can, uh, please don't bother. It's all right. Uh, I can, uh, we can look it up another okay. time. It's all right. Not a problem. No, I, I, but, what I, th- what I think that is, is, mm-hmm. is it's, it's this long I N ending that's, that's put on something that, that basically says it's, it's one who, who, one who is. So like one who is mm-hmm. following along, right? Oh, and then I see. one who is following along dwells. Okay, okay. And when we say following along, seeing, what are we using to follow along and see? Are we using attention? Are we using our eyes? Just following along with our intention. Attention. So that, that, that's how I, I, I um, relate to this, is following along with, with attention. So it's like, you know, you're following your breath. You're following your breath with what? With attention. And not with the eyes as well. Are the eyes also included? Because uh, the reason I was having this question was I noticed that if I'm doing a body scan, when I try to scan different parts of the body, I notice my eyes also moving mm. when my attention moves from part to part. So that kind of made me wonder. But anyway, it's all right. It's okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? What this brings up is is this territory that I really want us to go to, and and that is making this our own to not get locked into you know this this way of interpreting it is right and that way is wrong. You know, if you're a, a carpenter working on a lathe, you know, you're following along with your attention and with your eyes, absolutely, and with your you know and, and with your hands as well. Um, so I would just invite you to to play with this in your practice and see what you know how how does following along seeing how does that manifest for you? Thank you very much. And Christopher, you've got your hand up. You're welcome on me. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm finding uh, this broken down quite interesting. Um, in addition to like the mindful uh, aspect or concentrated aspect. Um, I'm also getting a sense of alertness uh, out of uh, breaking this down. So I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is one of the, the, the key differences that it made for me is is it, it moved it from kind of a sitting back, just being aware, observing to a much more active sort of on, on more more on, on your toes you know, closer to it, following along. It's it's got a bit more of an active quality. Okay, so um, I'm going to propose that we go ahead and go to the next one, um, which is another really interesting one. And this, again, applies to, to body feelings, mind, and dhammas, or mental objects, mind objects. And this, it's, it's these words, um, jnana matta and patisati matta, which in the text come, come at, um, they appear as jnana mattaya and patisati mattaya, but this will be our, our, our nominative form. The mattaya is a, it's a dative form. So, um, not jnana matta would be bare knowledge. And then 
Sampati Sati Mata bear mindfulness. That's how Bhikkhu Bodhi um, translates it. And Bhikkhu Sujato, necessary for knowledge and mindfulness. I be Horner, uh, precisely to the extent necessary for knowledge and mindfulness. But now let's break down these words. So we've got uh, jnana, which is knowledge, understanding of, insight into. That's it's, it's a pretty standard word. There's not a lot to unpack there. But here's where it gets really, really interesting, I think. This word, uh, matta, oh, sorry, there's supposed to be a macron on that A. Um, that comes from this root, ma, and the root means measure. And then the ta ending makes, um, it, it makes a noun out of it. So matta, it, it can occur as a noun. It can also occur as an adjective. If it's, if it's an adjective, it's like mere or simple only, or a mere is in the PED. But if it's a noun, then digital poly dictionary, we've got this amount of, measure of, poly English dictionary, consisting of, measuring. So if you put these two together, and this is another one that just, it, it really struck me that we're talking about a measure of knowledge, a measure of mindfulness. So what, what does that mean to have a measure? Well, think about when you're cooking, right? And the recipe says that you want one cup of flour. And so you use one cup of flour. You don't, you don't say, oh, half a cup is enough or, oh, one cup's good. Two cups must be better. No, you, you ruin the recipe if you do that. The measure is the measure. And what I see this saying is, is it's just enough knowledge. It's just enough mindfulness. It's not too much. It's not too little. I mean, I, I know early in, in my practice, there, there could be this, um, this kind of granular emphasis on on mindfulness of you know every little movement and that always found i always found that very effortful um and it it never landed very well but when i look at this i see something different um i think it was jack cornfield who said um the the mind secretes thoughts like the salivary gland secretes saliva. Yeah, it's just, that's what, that's what the salivary glands do. They create saliva. The mind create thought, creates thoughts and the body creates movement. It's the body's doing things. And what I see this saying is that you have enough, you have enough attention to be mindful of what the body is doing, to know what the body is doing. But just enough. Not too much, not too little. So my personal understanding has been the measure of knowledge and the measure of mindfulness. And I have to say that just this morning, I, I went to, this is a, a fairly new resource for me, the Tipitaka Pali Reader. It's another great resource. Um, and I, I hadn't, because it's such a new resource, I, I hadn't thought to, to look these words up on that. And when I did, look at what they had. Jnana mata, the measure of understanding. 
Bodhisattimata, the measure of mindfulness. And then you put it in the dative case as we have it in the sutta, and it's you know enough for a measure of understanding, enough for the measure of mindfulness. So let me pause there and see if there are questions or comments. Yeah, Scott, please. All right, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. Um, th- this has brought up uh, a question I've had for some time, which is uh, this phrase, uh, bare knowledge. And I wondered often how it was in the poly that we might arrive at this because I find other places in the text that don't really uh, support this this perspective. But as I look at the two Uh, definitions or, you know, interpretations. One is measure or mere, but then when you went down to the the new new, uh, resource that you found, Tipitaka, then it it does say mere knowing. But to me, I I don't understand how mere and measure can be the same. Uh, It's, one is, is taking this mata as a noun, Another is is trying to make an adjective. At, well, it, it is making an adjective out of it. So how how do you make a, an adjective out of a measure of something that that that's where we get this idea of you know mere simple. It's you know merely one cup. It's simply one cup. I that's, see. That's how I'm seeing it. So mere knowing, simply knowing. Yeah. Yeah. It's still the sense of of not taking away anything, not adding anything extra. Yeah, I I struggle. But thank you very much. Okay, other questions or or comments before we go on to the next one? Um, Yeah, Lucinda, please. Oh. To me, it, yes. it, it reminds me, I know it's different, but it reminds me of right effort, you know, not too much, not too little, like the, the, the bowstring, you know, not too tight or it's going to. Oh, you, you've, you've gone mute. We, we've lost your, your, your voice. It just, it just reminds me of that. It, it reminds me of. Of right effort. Yeah, it's, it's, very, not, it's very, not, not too little. I, I said this, but I think I was unmuted. But like a bowstring on a, on a on an instrument or on a violin, if it's too tight or if it's too loose, but but just right. That, yeah, that's what makes me think of. It, it's a great point. It's very consistent with with right effort and and that that like the teaching of the Sona Sutta, right? Not not too much, not too little. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, Kate? Uh, yes, I think mere in this case just means uh, a bare, bare knowing, right? Uh, just seeing it as it is uh, without adding anything to it. I think that's what mere and simple measuring means. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, thank you. 
and Victoria. Um, yes, I, well, I was thinking, I am a musician, so, so I, I also think of measure, um, in, in, as a, as a musical term, which means, um, that's where it would also help to amplify the idea of mirror simple, that it's the, it's the unit by which things are measured. So a measure in music is that then you know the parameters. And so, um, so it also relates to what Lucinda was saying about the, um, the strings metaphor, but that, um, you know, and, and Shakespeare's play measure for measure. So, so that it's sort of a, it's, it's a, there's a rightness. So it does relate to, I think, to right effort. Yeah. And, and, you know, the theme that I, I hear through, through people's comments is, you know, that, that sense of, you know, it's, it's just what it is, um, not making it, too much, not too little. It, yeah, very consistent with right effort. Mm-hmm. And also something maybe, I mean, this is what I'm curious about is because I've always thought of everything as individual in practice, but maybe there is a kind of like a sweet spot that is, is universal in some way. Because like if we think of a measure, like you were saying, when you're cooking, um, you, you really need to have the right measurements. And then music, yeah. in music, you can't change. <laughs> the measure what it is what it is it it remains what it is there's a kind of universal um proportion to it yeah so this is really something to investigate in practice isn't it exactly that's why i thought it's there's a lot here to unpack <laughs> yeah 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 and and we you know we won't unpack this completely today but you know hopefully it'll give you it'll generate ideas for, for ways to, to look at these words in new ways that, you know, really invigorate and refresh your own practice. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. Great. Yeah. So thank you. Um, so let's go on to Kaya Sankara, which is another great, I mean, there, I, I love all of these. I just, the, the riches that, that Polly reveals are, are just astonishing. So Kaya Sankara, this is a word that, that comes up um, in relation, of course, to the body, Kaya. And, and this is, it comes up, you know, stilling the Kaya Sankara. And we've got translations that are kind of all over the place. We've got Bhikkhu Bodhi, bodily formation, Bhikkhu Sujato, physical process, Nyanamoli Tara, uh, bodily process. Ivy Horner, activity of the body, Sudasubhiku, just goes with body. So let's see what we've got. So digital polydictionary, physical process, bodily function, intention, which results in bodily action. Poly English dictionary has the material aggregate, substratum of body, Cone is a bodily motive force, physical motion. Okay, that still isn't very much clear to me. Let's go to the poly and see what that has has to to reveal. And it's interesting. We've got Kaya Sankara, which is a compound. So poly does this a lot. It'll take two or more words and, and smush them together. And, you know, they can then have kind of any case relationship with each other, or sometimes the first is an adjective modifying the second. You know, compounds take all kinds of um, all kinds of forms. So here we've got kaya, 
which is body, and Sankara, which some of you will be very well familiar with Sankara. Um, it's one of the, the aggregates. And when we break that down, we've got the prefix sang and the root kar. And the root kar is, um, it's a very, very common root. It, it basically means to, to do something. It, it can mean make, create. Uh, we had it in, in the chat at the beginning. Sahaviryam uh, karavavahai. The karavavahai comes from this same root. Well, it's kr in Sanskrit, but it t- turns to kar in Pali. Um, and then sang, it, it, it often has, um, a sense of, of like together. It, it can also be completion, but, but here it makes sense that a sankara is something that's, that's made together. And the example that, that I, I like to give, um, is is a, it's another cooking example you might think i like cooking i don't but the examples have come to mind um so a sankara if you imagine you have all the all these um ingredients in your kitchen um and you make them into a soup it's like you know, we've got these individual ingredients but you put them together into a soup and the soup is a sankara Right. It's the sum total of all these ingredients. And it's it's now, you know, it's 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 now something, but it only exists because these other things are making it up. So Sankara, something that's mm, concocted, fabricated. Digital poly dictionary literally making together. So what does this mean? It's a, it's a concoction of the body in the body, making together in the body. So, you know, I've been working with this a lot over the last couple of years. Um, and you know, last year, um, I, I had a pretty major surgery and, and there was, you know, a lot of, a lot of pain in the body. And I worked with that pain as Kaya Sankara. The pain is something that the, well, the, the mind was involved, but, but it was, it felt mostly like it was this thing in the body and it was bringing attention to, you know, a, the sensation of pain and imagining it as this thing that was just put together of pieces. Yeah. So a little bit of sensation here and sensation there and interpretation of, insert, of, of sensation there. And it was a sense of, oh, that's something that the body has created. And anything that's created can dissolve. Yeah. So it became an exercise in, in finding these kaya sankaras and whoo, dissolving Anichavata sankara, right? It's all, Everything that that is created will dissolve. So we can look for these kaya sankaras in the body, bring attention to them. And what the Satipatthana Sutta is asking us to do is to still them. And and I would argue, you know, if you can dissolve them, that's like the ultimate stilling of them. And it's actually something we do in Tai Chi practice as well. If there's, you know, an unpleasant sensation in the body, you can't always do it, but very often you can you can put your mind on it and dissolve it 
And to my way of thinking that, what you're dissolving is Akaya Sankara. And the way that I, I see this, you know, it could be physical, it could be energetic, it could be something emotional that, you know, you're holding in the body. It's anything that's being made in the body. And this part of the Satipatthana Sutta is asking us to still, whatever that making, that Sankara is, in the kaya, in the body, can we still that? So my personal understanding of that is concoctions of the body, maybe physical, maybe energetic, maybe emotional. It's something that's made together in the body. Okay, so let's take a pause there and see if there are any questions, comments on that. Kate, yes, please. Hi, I found this very interesting, actually, because I used to think of, uh, you know, contemplation of the body as only the physical body. But what you alluded to was also including Sanya, right? Our perception of the body uh, is kind of included in there, maybe. I, I, I haven't, I haven't thought about that, but you know, it'd be, it'd be, yeah. There, there are san, definitely sanyas involved, but the emphasis here is is on on what we're creating. Yeah, what what are we creating with you know, like an individual sanya of pain pain here, pain there, interpretation of pain there, and then we put them together and then we get this sankara that's in the body. Right. So, like, because I'm trying to work with pain in the body too, so previously I thought pain in the body is just in the body, but now it's it, it's really our I don't know how to say it, but but you just say that we we can dissolve the, that as well, I, I don't know. Yeah, how. yeah, yeah. So, so try looking at the pain in the body, and you know, the, the, well, this is part of um, mindfulness. As um, oh, I've forgotten the woman's name, is it Vidyamala? She talks about you know going into the the pain and noticing the the, the sensations that it you know everything that it's composed of, right? So that that's like we, we've got this. We think of it as this monolithic thing of pain, but we when we bring our attention to it, we can realize, oh, that it's actually a sankara. So let me understand what are all the parts that when, when they're put together, I'm interpreting that as pain. Yeah. And when, when we see what those parts are, then we've got a better chance of being able to dissolve one or more, or even potentially all of them. Thank you. Very welcome. Um, Anu, yes. May I please ask two questions, please? Yes, Anu, please go ahead. So the goal is to still the concoctions in the body. Sorry. That that's that's the instruction given. Yes. To to calm or still. Now, this was one um, in the English translation 
you know, we read through and, and we're supposed to know this and we're supposed to know that. And when I was reading it in the, in, in John Kelly's group, I, I was absolutely certain that the verb was going to be Janati, which is the standard verb to know. But it wasn't. It wasn't Janati. It was this one. Pajanati. So it has a prefix on it. If you look this up in the, the dictionaries, you don't get much of a, a sense it's different from Janati. DPD has knows, knows clearly, understands, distinguishes. Cone has knows, understands, finds out. But when we dive into the poly, this, this word reveals itself. So we've got the prefix pa, and then we've got this very standard word to know, janati. So what does pa mean? Well, you may know that English and, and Pali are like cousins of each other. You know, they go back to a proto-Indo-European root. Um, so there, there are words that have similarities and the prefix pa is very much like our prefix pro, you know, like progress, protect, pro. It's this, there, there can be this kind of forward motion to it. And indeed, you look up the prefix in Digital Poly Dictionary, you get the sense of forward or towards, cone as in front, forward. Yeah. So we're knowing forward. Hmm. What does that mean? Well, in, in the Dharma Canics group, there was a, a fellow who said, it sounds like it's I guess this is a, a, an analogy that's used in sports is being on the balls of your feet. So not like kind of sitting back, but you're, you're kind of forward a bit. You know, it, it's similar in a way to the anupasati, you know, bringing our mindfulness you know, forward a bit so that we're following along. Pajanati, it's this forward energy to the knowing. But if we go back even a little bit more, where does Janati come from? Well, that comes from the root Nya, which is, you know, it's, it's to know, knowledge. And you might, you might put these two together and, and think, well, that looks a little bit like Panya, like wisdom. And you would be absolutely right if you double this N. You've got P-A and then the, the N-N-A, Panya, wisdom. Pajanati comes from the same etymolo- etymological base as Panya. So it's, it's knowing forward. It's, and it's the kind of knowing that, that gives, it can give you wisdom. Um, or it, it doesn't give you wisdom. It's the kind of knowing that when you know things, it's like they're baked in and you have wisdom um, and this is another one that came out of the Dharma mechanics group somebody suggested well pajanati sounds like grok if any of you have read heinlein there's there's this verb to grok something it's like you know you know it in your bones you know it to the core and I think this is exactly what Pajanati 
is talking about. So all of these instructions in the Satipatthana Sutta, know this, know that, it's this kind of knowing. We're asked to know deeply. We're asked to develop the kind of knowing that gives, that, that, the, the fruit of that knowing is panya, is wisdom. This is how we're instructed to know things. It's not just a simple knowing. It's pa-janati. And, and just as an aside, if you look up grok in the Oxford English Dictionary, and it is in there, um, they don't capture this, this sense as, as Heinlein described it. So, so if you use Grok, go with Heinlein, not the OED. Okay, Victoria. Um, well, I'm as we're moving along, I I keep thinking of Old English and how um, if we maybe if we think of the English translations in terms of Old English, then we can get even closer somehow. That um, in the King James Bible. The word, the verb know means, um, sexual union that Adam knew Eve and she conceived and, um, Isaac knew, um, Rebecca, et cetera. So that's that, that knowledge that is, is really just as you described. It's, it's absolutely into your bones because it's, 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 it's a knowing of, of body and mind and soul, everything together. Yeah, and I'd never thought about investigating the the old English, but it would make sense that that would have that that would bring good insights because English and Pali and Sanskrit are kind of cousins for each other. So right. yeah, that that would make sense that there would be more riches to to uncover there. Yeah, we've because we've moved away, I think, from from the really the depth of meaning of a lot of words. Well, even yeah. measure was like that too. The, the way Shakespeare used it was different than the way we use it now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, and this long bit here is is just to to kind of evidence how many times Pajanati shows up. You know, the body breathing in, breathing out. It's all Pajanati. Stilling the Kaya Sankara, Pajanati. Walking, you know, the the body postures, walking, standing. It's all Pajanati. I'm, I'm emphasizing the pa just so you hear it, but it's 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 a short a, so it's pajanati. Okay, and and we also find it for the mind and mental objects. It's all over the Satipatthana Sutta. One one of the Dharma mechanics guy did a did a search, and I, I think he said it came up I don't know forty three times or something. It's it's a lot. Okay, now this this one is another really interesting one, and and this is me going rogue. I have my rogue translations, right? I mean, I'm just following the Pali, and I'm following my practice, and I look at the standard translations, but I don't feel overly constricted by them. Um, so so I I can be creative in my translations, and I call that going a bit rogue. Um, so you can decide for yourself whether or not you like rogue or you like the, the standard translations. Um, but this is one where I'm definitely going rogue. So we've got Sampajan Akari Hoti. So this is um, 
when you're when you're looking ahead, looking to the side, when you're bending, when you're um, you know, when you're wearing a robe, carrying a bowl, you know, th- this is this is what you're you're supposed to um, this is what you're supposed to to do. It's sapajana sampajana karihoti, right? I was expecting to see Janati here. This ain't nothing like Janati. This is different. So what have we what have we got here? We've got the translations. Bhikkhu Bodhi has acts in full awareness. Bhikkhu Sujato acts with situational awareness. Tanasaro Bhikkhu. He makes himself fully alert. Ivy Horner acting in a clearly conscious way. And Sudaso Bhikkhu completely aware. All right, so we're just going to dive right into the poly, and right off the bat, we've got a compound. Sampajanakarihoti. So what this is, is Sampajana plus Kari. Now, this this actually goes back to Anu's question about the E ending. So what we've got here is an E ending, that that denotes one who is and this kari it comes from our our friend the the root kar which means to make do um but when you turn it into a noun you've got a doer a maker an agent that's what the kari is um it can be this is the noun form this is the adjective form um, they're very, very fluid, the kari, karin and the kari. But we're talking here about a doer, a maker, an agent. Okay, so we've got a doer, a maker, an agent of sampajana. What's that? Mm, well, look what we have here. We have this same etymological base that we just had in pajanati above. We've got pa. Plus nya, nya knowing pa forward, and then we have another prefix sung, which is like bringing it all together. So sampajana is your, it's this kind of on the on the balls of your feet knowing, and some can it, it can either mean together or it can often mean like completeness. So it could be like this complete knowing, full knowing. Um, and so we've got sampajana and then kari. So we've got like a, a, a doer of this clear comprehension, an agent of clear comprehension. And hoti here is simply the, the, the verb to be. So hoti is, is like is, you know, he is, she is, it is. So this to my way of saying it, it's just saying there is a doer of clear comprehension. Right. What on earth does that mean? The best way I can think to explain it, how, how I understand it is if you think back to when you were first, first doing meditation and watching thoughts, um, you may have, I certainly had this, had the sense of being completely entangled in the thoughts. 
and you know being told you know like just watch the thoughts or create space it's like well how do i do that i i am the thought the thought is me it, it just felt fused yeah and then over time with practice it starts to get you start to get little spaces little spaces and over the years right you can actually separate the part of you that's observing from the thought yeah you can actually do that and i think this is saying this is asking us to do the same thing with the actions of the body. You know, if I go over to the door and open the door, you know, that's, that's me opening the door. That's me fused with the action. But as if I, as I've played around with this and I, I think, okay, there is a doer of opening the door. The more I do that, the more it starts to give a little bit of space between me and the action. So my personal understanding is there is a clearly aware doer of washing the face. There is a clearly aware doer of closing the door, right? It's not just, I know that I'm washing my face. I know that I'm washing, that I'm closing the door. No, it's this degree of separation. Ah, there is a doer clearly aware of the action. And you ain't going to hear that from anyone else, I don't think. If you do, let me know who that person is. I want to talk to them. <laughs> so... Very interested in questions and comments about this. Yeah, Victoria. Could we then say uh, witness, maybe? The, 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 the one who is, who is aware that, that this is being, this action is being performed is, the, is like the witness to it. That, that's, yeah, that's, that's in the ballpark. That, that's okay. definitely in the ballpark. I guess I'm yeah. thinking in old English again. Okay. Thanks. Maybe I should pick up old English as well. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, Lee, go ahead. So you're saying the doer comes from the long eye at the end of Kari. Is that correct? Yeah, it's it's the same thing as Sanyi in in that verse from Quarrels and Disputes. It's the same kind of ending. Yeah, it's 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 the one who has, and it's you know, here's it's the one who has the doing. It's it's an agent. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. And um, Pat, please go ahead. I'll try to put this clearly because I'm not a linguist. Um, I'm wondering if this is one of the many views of disentangling the knower and the known. And when that one becomes aware of the space between those aspects, you have choice. Yeah. And so that leads us into the discipline of how everything works well is making choices. That would lead us into the hindrances, I guess. A very Absolutely. interesting, very rich. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like how you put that, that when, when you can get that degree of separation, then that gives, that gives space for choice to mm-hmm. arise because you're, you're not so, when you're so fused, it, 
it, it feels like where, where's the choice? There, there is no choice. This is, it's just this, this fused thing. But when you start to separate it out, yeah, then, then choice may arise. Not only choice, but you can rest in that space, I think, too, as it gets more and more maybe profound. Yes. Yeah. And my experience working with this is then the bodily actions that I don't know quite how to put this, but it's like they, they don't have as so much power over you. Yeah. Right. They don't grab you as, as, as fully. Yeah. Thank you. You're very welcome. Okay. Um, one more hand. Helen. Yes, please. Hi. Um, yeah. This is a, a lovely thread of how to think about this. And somehow for me, the, con- the, the, the experience of karma ties in with this, that when we have, when we are, when, the, when there is a doer of something, that doer can be aware of the consequence. Does it cause suffering? Does it cause, does it, does it contribute to suffering? Does it contribute to the cessation of suffering? So somehow I just wanted to reflect that of what's coming into this for me in the conversation about the doer and being aware of a choice of what the comma is and yeah. the, the effect of it. So thank you for deepening this. I appreciate it. Yeah. And, and that sounds like a very rich thread to take into, into personal practice. Mm, mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Okay. And Christopher. Yeah. Just to follow up uh, with uh, Helen, I had uh, a very similar thought with respect to the acting or uh, making oneself uh, fully alert or all, all this language, uh, to me, what stood out was intention, which then led to uh, thoughts of karma. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and again, some, something to, to take in, into practice to watch, you know, where the, the relationship between intention and action and and the doer, yeah. Um, and Peg, please. Uh, I guess I was thinking along the lines of the Bahia Sutta where um, their line goes, in the seeing there is just the seeing, in the hearing there is just the hearing. Yeah. Uh, so that the, But that might not make sense because that's where we take out the doer. There's just seeing and hearing and feeling, touching. Maybe that doesn't make sense. Not sure. <laughs> Thank ah, you. ah, but see, this, this is only asking us to, to know, to really deeply know that doer. This is not saying that when one is awakened, that the doer is still there. It's just recognizing that for, for us in our normal everyday consciousness, there's a doer. So let's, let's be aware of it and, and really get to know it from the inside out, really grok it, really pajanati it. Thank you. You're very welcome. Okay. Um, so the, the last two are, I, I think, fairly, fairly quick. Um, and then we'll, we'll take a break after, after we look at these. So, um, this next one, um, has to do with, uh, what I'll do is just put this all on one page so it's easier. Read and give a little space here to clean up the screen. There we go. 
So we're still on the body. And I just found this an interesting verb for examining the body. Pachavekati. So DPD, Digital Poly Dictionary, has reviews, regards, reflects, considers, literally looks back down. Poly English Dictionary, to look upon, consider, review, realize, contemplate, see. But when you, when you look at the poly, you break this apart, um, and, and weird things happen with poly through sandy. Sandy is, is how parts of, of words kind of, um, change their form when they come together. So we've got this P-A-C-C-A, which actually, A-V-E, which actually breaks down to pati, which is one prefix, ava, which is another prefix, and then this root, ik, which is the, the root to see. So ava is a pretty pretty straightforward prefix. Um, it means down. Um, it can have other meanings, but, but that's that's a very common one. Pati, yes, it it can mean back, like return, but the, it's a really interesting prefix. And um, my, my poly teacher, James Whelan, uh, turned me on to this, um, that Pati has this sense of, of like going back to the, going back to the extent that something has come towards it. So I remember the example he gave is, you know, if you lean against a wall, the, the wall, you, you exert a force against the wall. Well, the wall then exerts a force against you, but it's exactly equal. You know, the, the wall doesn't, doesn't exert more force on you than you exerted on it. It's equal. So I was investigating this word pati and it's, there are a couple of, um, of interesting words that give you a sense of, of how this works. So a gita is a song, but a pati gita is, it's a counter song, right? You cannot have a counter song unless you have the original song. So it's like a call and response. You can't have the response unless you have the call. Or gosa is sound. Yeah. Buddha gosa, the sound of the Buddha. Gosa is sound. A pati gosa is an echo. Yeah. So it, the, the pati is setting up this relationship that it depends on, on what came before and that, that you're not adding to it. Like an echo doesn't, doesn't add to, to the original sound. I mean, if it's, you're in a canyon, okay, it'll bounce back and forth and you'll have echoes on echoes and that'll have a cumulative effect. But, you know, basically it's, you've got pati it's it's dependent on that original thing so the way i see this is when you're examining the body you're looking down and you're just seeing what's there and it's very much in alignment with the matta that we we looked at before it's it's you're just seeing what's there you're not adding to it that's the that's how I see pati as informing this word. Pachavekati. You're looking down and just, just seeing what's there and then contemplating that. Mm-hmm. 
So, and then that applies to parts of the body and also the elements. So, questions, comments, insights on that. There's nothing particularly earth-shattering there. I just think it's a really good example of how when you can break these words apart into the poly, you you get kind of this inner life of them that starts to reveal themselves. And then this this last one, this is, again, body contemplation, and and we find this in the, the part about the charnel ground contemplations. So... You know, when, when you're, when you're contemplating the, the bodies in various stages of decay, this, this is the, the verb. So it's often translated as compares. So you're comparing yourself to the, the body in whatever stage of, of decay. Um, some of the other definitions, likens to collect, to bring together, keep up, gather. Um, critical poly dictionary likened to identify with but literally again we break this apart we've got the prefix upa which means near sang is together and harati which is to bring so you're seeing what's out there and you're bringing it together near you and I think it's just this exquisite word that, that captures this sense of, you know, it's, it's not just kind of, you know, that's over there and I'm over here and I'm just kind of comparing that. It's like this no holds barred bringing that reality of the bodies in various stages of decomposition right, right to you. You know, if if you think of the opposite, the opposite would be like shying away. You know, I don't want to see that. This is this is not shying away. It just comes right here. And I don't know if anyone else has that that sense of the richness of this, um, but that says a lot more to me than comparisons. And you're bringing the sights and the the, the smells and and whatever is. Bringing it right here. Well, maybe kind of a gruesome note to end on. <laughs> are, there, are there any questions or comments on that before we we take a break for a few minutes? <laughs> uh, Victoria, yes. Could you just go back for a second to the previous one? Yeah. The um I this is where I don't know Polly at all. Um I'm still kind of um mystified about the, the relation between Pati and Paka. Or Pak, I guess, because the Av Ava is the next one. Yeah. Pak and Pati. Like how 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 does that how does one get to the other? Yeah, it, it's, it's through Sandy. And, and it, it, what happens is it's a retroflex T and it ends up being palatalized because it's in a, a particular kind of situation. And it, basically, Sandy is really hard <laughs> and it, it does unpredictable things. Um, 
but rest assured that 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 retroflex T does go to that that double C. Okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah. It 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 looks really unpredictable, and when you first start studying um, Sanskrit or Pali, it it's really hard. It's actually easier in Sanskrit because Sanskrit has clearer rules rules to follow, and in Pali, it. One of our groups were like, anything goes in Pali. (laughs) It seems like sometimes. So is that more because the the oral tradition translated in a more, I don't know, like a more colloquial way, more related to the spoken language than Sanskrit, which had a a strong written tradition from the outset? Pali was, was just more relaxed. In Sanskrit, you had the influence of Panini who was around about the time of the Buddha and Panini was the great grammarian who, who basically codified the grammar of Sanskrit and then it, it stayed stable. So, you know, in, in Sanskrit, you have rules for Sandhi and you follow the rules and Pali never had that, that kind of you know, strict codification of the grammar. I've always wondered why why the Buddha, I mean, since he came from an aristocratic class, wh- how did he get to Pali in the first place instead of Sanskrit? Uh, well, I asked my Sanskrit teacher, would the Buddha have known Sanskrit? And she said, well, you know, we don't know. Surely he would have known chants, but we don't know, you know, how much he would have been able to to speak the language. But, you know, Pali was what what people spoke in the streets. Right. But I mean, he and just he, just you know, one example. Sanskrit was only spoken by men. Right. Women were not allowed to learn Sanskrit. So women had to speak something and they had to communicate with people. So, you know, Pali was the language that people. Well, I shouldn't say Pali is the language that people spoke because it was Prakrits that they spoke. And then you had different Prakrits in different areas. And then um, what, what I learned from um, Richard Gombrich is is that most likely what the Buddha spoke was kind of a merchant's tongue that was a, a kind of pseudo Prakrit. It was, it was a Prakrit that would have been intelligible to all these different dialects. And then that was eventually written down and then called Pali because Pali just means like a line. So a Pali is, Pali is pointing to the, the language as having been written down, but nobody would have said that they speak Pali. They would have said that they, they speak the speaker Prakrit. Mm-hmm. So, but we, we digress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you. It's it's endlessly fascinating. Thank you. Okay, thank you. All right. Um, who is next? Uh, Valerie, please. Hi. Um, on on this one, uh, is it uh, Pachavekati? Um, Pachavekati. Pachavekati. Thank you. Um. I, I was wondering if it um, could be similar to looking down and being met by what's there. Cause if you're talking about the interplay. Yeah, that, that's, that's how I see it. Okay. And then for the next one, um, I was thinking up. about, yeah, thank you. I was thinking about other places where um, it talks about, I am of the same nature um, of something. And I was thinking about, that is if that seems like um, it would fit here as well oh yeah that that sounds like like it absolutely would fit with this this verb upasangharati 
Yeah, because it's it's not putting any space between you and the thing that that you're observing. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, and Debbie. Yes, hi. Hi, yeah. Um, I, about this Pachawekati, uh, I have cool. a back, yeah, I have a background in linguistics. So for the person asking how you could possibly get from Pati to Pacha, um, you know, when you juxtapose different um, elements together, sounds together, you're going, they, they bounce up against each other and, and affect each other. So the analogy in English would be if you take the word pat, as in patting someone, putting your hand on something, and the word your, you know, like your back, you want to pat your back. Well, if you say that really quickly, guess what you come up with? Pat your back. That's the kind of change that's taking place here. You don't see it if you speak, you know, normally at a normal pace, pat your back. But if you find yourself saying it very quickly, that T with the I and another vowel after it, see that T-I and then a vowel, in this case, your, it's or, oh, you get pat your back. So that's what Sandy's all about. And that's why it's hard to recognize this yeah. uh, sound change. That that was really well explained. You explained that a lot better than I did. <laughs> and well, and the thing is that in, in English, we don't write down those changes, even though they occur in the spoken language. In Sanskrit and Pali, they do write down those changes, and that's what we're finding here. Yeah, because in those languages, they become part of a whole system where bacha will occur someplace else and so on, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah thank you very much for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Okay. And was there one other hand up? Um, Anu, yes, please. You put in a lot of painstaking work to look up so many dictionaries and put this document. So thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Yeah, I figure if I'm going to go rogue, I'd, I'd better you know be able to to show that I've really done my groundwork and I'm not just making stuff up. (laughs) It's very useful. Thank you. Okay. And Lucinda. The anecdote, a dedicated student really, you know, digging in, working with the four foundations, wanted to work with the charnel grounds. So went to a medical site and contemplated a cadaver and talk about bringing it close. Um, He lasted three days. Doing wow. that practice. Wow. He couldn't do, he couldn't do it more than three times. But I commend yeah. him for that. I mean, that's a bringing it closer. Well, and, and this is why I found, find this, this verb so kind of breathtaking because, you know, you think about the reality of, of what it's asking us to be bringing near. And your, your anecdote just brings that home that, you know, we're, yeah, a cadaver, well, many in various stages of de- decomposition, you know, it's really challenging stuff. And it's it's asking us, yeah, that really challenging stuff, that's the stuff. Bring it together, bring it near you. Don't hide. Yeah, it's really challenging. And that, yeah, that is why this, I find this verb so breathtaking. So thank you for sharing that. 
All right. So we've been at it for almost an hour and a half. So what I would suggest is that we take a break until half past the hour, um, have a stretch, uh, get a hot drink, do whatever you need to do. And um, we'll just keep the room open and see you hopefully at half past the hour. Okay, so um, we have another choice because we've only got half an hour. And if we try to do the hindrances, we can kind of buzz through them and I can you know, show you the material. Um, but also, you know, I'm really curious how how this material is landing with you. And the purpose of this is, you know, probably not for intellectual stimulation or you know, having, having buzzwords, but it's, it's poly for practice. So, so there's part of me that really wants to, to give space to, to just spending a few minutes to integrate, um, how we think some of this might land with our practice. And I recognize that it may be too soon because some of this stuff takes quite a long time to digest. Um, but I think I do want to open a space of, you know, at least a few minutes. Um, and my sense is let's do this in the large group rather than trying to do breakout groups. And just anyone who has a, a sense of um, if they think something that we've talked about today is really going to inform their practice or you can you know, see, or oh, this is what I, what this is something that I want to work with. Or the other way to think about it is if you imagine yourself in six months time, what is it that you'll, you think you will have remembered? from today that's useful for your practice. So I just want to open up a space. There's, you know, if, if you want to speak, that's fine. If you don't want to speak, that's equally fine. But just to open up that space to begin the process of digesting this material. Um, Pat, you've got your hand raised. Yes. Well, thank you. One of the things that strikes me and will impact my practice is that we live in a world where things are very static, I think, because we study, we look, we learn, things are things. This is a very active process, and that makes a difference. But it's an activity without buying in or entangling with it, and that makes it a very different discipline. So thank you so much. This will help. Great. I'll stop there. Thank you. And and I would encourage anyone to to study poly or you know we've got some great online resources where you actually don't need to know a lot of poly to to start to look up some key words so that you can start to to see you know what are the other possibilities for looking at these words because we do get um we can get stuck in what i call an orthodoxy of translation you know this is the word and this is how we translate it and this is how we practice with it and when you can go to the poly um it, it really starts to open things up, yeah. And and maybe you use the orthodox translation. They're, they're there for a reason. They've been useful to people for centuries or for millennia. Um, but it doesn't mean that we can't look at it critically, following the language and following our practice. Okay, Valerie. Thank you. I was thinking. Um about the first one um and you had it one of the words that was in there was repeatedly and i was thinking about the sort of devotion and discipline uh continuing 
sticking with something or coming back to it. And um, that's something that uh, I've, I've strived to work on, but I, I think is just kind of reinforced. So thank you. Thank you. Any other comments? Uh, Christopher, yes. Hi. Yeah, so, excuse me. Um, Thank you for everything today. Uh, It's been very helpful and informative. Um, uh, Along the lines of what you were just mentioning, uh, you know, in terms of resources uh, for interested in pursuing this uh, further um, outside of this meeting, um, would you have any recommendations? Um, and also, just with respect to a, a lot of what you've mentioned today, there's this sense of uh, kind of, especially with the the last um, uh, compound uh, that you broke down, actually several, um, there's been kind of a sense of kind of experientially what I'm kind of pulling from it is a sense of alignment, uh, whether we're comparing things or reviewing things, there seems to be some, uh, yeah, internal sense for me of, of alignment, uh, that can go in many directions. Uh, but yeah, that's just what's coming to my mind right now. Yeah. And there, there are some really good resources. Um, Suta Central is probably the, the easiest one to, to get plugged into. And there's, there's a way that, that you can pull up, um, suttas where you can see the English on one side and the poly on, on the other, or, or a different view has it line by line. So, so you can, you know, click on the, the poly words and the definitions will, will come up at the bottom of the page. Um, that comes with a warning because it's it, it's kind of like a, a sort of like a bot that does that. It's automated, so that it doesn't always break things up correctly. Uh, but it's a really good starting point, and it, it's very very easy to access. Um, Digital Poly Dictionary is another great resource, but but that can be kind of hard to get installed on your computer. But I, I would start with Suta Central. Great, thank you. And, and, and the, the and um, uh, the Poly English Dictionary is also online. So if you can find that, then you can just search that, and that, that's also very powerful. Perfect. Thank you so much. And yeah, I think some of what you uh, what's been discussed with respect to how some of these prefixes change uh, in context um, has been very helpful for me. Uh, I've had a lot of confusion around that, which I think is kind of. Uh, been an obstacle in trying to parse some of this. So, um, yeah, this has opened up uh, um, some doors for me. Thank you. Great. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Okay. Um, Sama, hi. Good to see you. Uh, for a um, mindfulness teacher, um, <clears throat> my intention is to incorporate the Pali words uh, along with the English, so like, like together. So what is the best way of uh, uh, doing that, learning how to do, because I don't know anything at all. I, I'm aware of some Pali word terms, but not, uh, not a great deal. Yeah, okay. So um, my my own strategy, I can only share my own strategy, is is to take the words that really speak to you and let those resonate start with those and less is more so rather than like you know a list of 10 words i'm going to memorize those 
you know, find one or two that really speak to you. Like, you know, for me, upasamharati. Oh, that's a beautiful word. You know, let, let me remember that. that. That's the approach I would take is follow your energy. Where, where are the words that have richness and, and start with those. Where do, what is the best place to get those, the words, please, Bali words? Um, do, 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 again, probably Sutta Central, because then you can go to, to whichever Sutta you're, has the words that you're interested in. And it, it's a, a bit of poking around to, to figure out yeah, what's what. But yeah, I, I would go to Sutta Central or if you know what the Pali word is, um, I don't know, let's see, is there a back in English to Pali? I can't think of a good accessible English to Pali dictionary, but you could download the, um, or, or access the Pali English dictionary and just do a search in English for a word and see the Pali words. The Pali English dictionary. Yeah, I, I would go to the Pali English Dictionary, but also Sutta Central is very, very powerful. So if you have a Sutta and that's got words that you want to memorize, I, I would look for them there. In the discourse, in, in the Sutta. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. And Diane. You've given me such a gift today. You really have. I'm um, just pointing out that English and Pali are sort of cousins. And the pa prefix, the prefixes drive me crazy. I can never, I read them. I can never remember them. But thinking of pa as pro, as going forward, the word paginati, I'm going to remember that now as grok. That has an entirely different meaning to me. I can remember reading Strangers in a Strange Land a thousand years ago. And I understood Grok then. So thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm glad. I'm so glad that landed with you. It yeah. sure did. I like it when people go rogue. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's very reassuring to hear. Okay. So um, I don't see any hands up. So let, let's see how far we can get. On, on the hindrances, there, there's not so much uh, to look at with the hindrances. So we might actually get pretty far through them. Who knows? We might actually get to the end. Um, and the first, and I have not put the first hindrance on here. Um, that's sensual desire because it, it just didn't seem like there was much to gain by unpacking the poly. It seemed pretty straightforward. Um, but the word for hindrance, ne- oh, am I sharing the screen? Can you see that? Mm-hmm. Great. Um, Nivarana, you know, all the poly dictionaries say, you know, obstacle, obstruction, barrier, hindrance. Um, but when you look at the Sanskrit, I really like these two additional definitions, disturbance or trouble. because. You know, I've heard Aya Kama say about the the jhanas. You know, this is the that it's the natural way for the mind to go when it gets settled enough. And I kind of think of the hindrances as the natural way for the mind to go when it's not settled. You know, the Buddha is giving us these five ways that the mind naturally goes 
when it's when there's disturbance, when the mind is troubled. So I really like these additional definitions that you get when you go back to the Sanskrit. So rather than just thinking of it as like an obstruction, an obstacle, and hindrance that that I want to overcome, um, it's a way to that that I can connect with it with a little bit more compassion. It's like, oh, here's here's the mind doing this natural thing again, and it's now it's got the flavor of ill will, for example. Okay, so um, as I said, we're we're not going to unpack the first hindrance because there didn't seem to be much richness there. Um, and the second one's it's it's pretty straightforward. Vyapada or Vyapada, it, it occurs as both because V's turn to V's. It's it just happens in linguistics. Um, and if we break apart the etymology, it's it's the prefix V plus A plus Pod, and it it just has this sense of going wrong. Um, and the the definitions dislike ill will hatred hostility so in that chat that i did at the beginning ma vishavahai let us let us not have hostility let us not have enmity has this sense of vyapada um and sometimes i like to look at related words to to kind of feel in to what these words mean. Um, so vyapada is a noun, but it comes from the verb vyapajati, which is to go wrong, to fail, to disagree, to be troubled. And then a digital poly dictionary has fails, or I, I really like these two, is troubled or is vexed. So it can have the sense of you know, ill will or hatred, which are the more common definitions, but it could also just have the saying of, this sense of something that's vexing you, something that's troubling you that won't go away. So um, I think that's fairly straightforward. Shall, shall we go on or are there any comments on that? I see a thumbs up for going on, so let's do that. Okay, so then we've got this pair, Tina. And Mida, Mida, which are usually translated as sloth and torpor or dullness and drowsiness. Um, Yanamolitera has lethargy and Mida. Um, and in Pali, the, the words are pretty similar. And you, know, you see this a lot in, in Pali that you have synonyms um, that are often given. And it's, it's just a feature of, of spoken language. But I mean, well, there's sm- small differences here. And so for Tina, uh, digital poly dictionary has dullness, drowsiness, fuzziness, sluggishness, but literally it's being stiff. And it comes from this root T, which is to be dense or, or compact. And if you look at the um, the definition cone has, it's grown dense, coagulated, congealed, sloth or lethargy. And I wanted to read, um, do you remember this? The Buddha has the similes for the, the hindrances about the, the bowl of water. And I wanted to read the simile here. 
So this is from um, Samyutin Nikaya 4655, I think it is, the Sangharava Sutta. Um, although I think these similes appear several times throughout the suttas. But it's suppose, Brahmin, there is a bowl of water covered over with water plants and algae. If a man with good sight were to examine his own facial reflection in it, he would neither know it nor see it as it really is. So here we've got the bowl of water covered with, with water plants and, and algae. So that's this grown scent, grown dense and coagulated. And I think those similes are very helpful um, to to kind of get us thinking outside of the box of sloth and torpor, but to get a sense of ooh, what does that feel like to to be covered with water plants and algae? It's just there's no movement there. You know, it's it's congealed, it's coagulated. And then for Mida, the um the dictionary definitions, drowsiness, sluggishness, torpor, stupidity, sluggishness. But the PED has an interesting note. It says it's likely connected with the Sanskrit meti, which is a pillar or a post. And, you know, as I contemplated this, it it struck me that, you know, when we think of sloth and torpor, at least I think of the body. Maybe, maybe some torpor in the mind, just sort of sleepiness in the mind, but largely sleepiness in the body. But if we think of this sense of like being like a pillar or a post, what, what is that? That there's a rigidity there. There's a a kind of checking out, going on autopilot, a, a rigidity. And, you know, can, can we apply this maybe to, to our attitudes and maybe you know, being being very um, um, adamant about, you know, well, this is the thing that I'm going to do and I'm not going to move from this thing that I've decided that I'm going to do. Is is that not also being like a pillar or a post? Is is that possibly in, included in the sense of Mida? We don't get that from the poly dictionaries, from, from, from the poly dictionary definitions. But there is that possibility if we go to the Sanskrit definition. And if we look at the, the opposite of midda, apamidda is, this is going back to Pali, it's not slothful, um, also understood as diligent or alert. So midda would, would be the opposite of that. Okay, so I'm just, I think what I'll do is I'll just buzz through because these are pretty quick and then any comments we can do at the end. So the next we have, um, it's usually translated as restlessness and worry. Um, Let me again change the screen so it's all on one page. Change the size just a little bit. Okay, so this word that's translated as restlessness, udacha, um, there are two possible etymological roots for it. So the, the first part is a prefix, which means up in English. That's ud, means up. Um, and some of the dictionaries go with it's up plus tar, 
adarati, which means to hold or carry. So something that we're holding up. And, you know, I, I imagine like, you know, holding it up and sort of turning it over in our mind and, you know, not wanting to let it go or just thinking about this thing. So that, that can be restlessness or agitation. Um, Cone, Margaret Cone takes a different path. She says, no, it's, it's from ud plus hanati. And the root there is han, which is um, to strike, to thresh, to kill something. So that gives us a different picture. It's like this thing that we're turning over in our mind and we just want to figure out what's going on here. And we're not going to let it go until we figure out what it is. It's a lot of, a lot of energy, a lot of agitation. So pick your etymological root. But both of them point to this, this sense of, yeah, there's, there's this flurry, there's this agitation, there's restlessness, there's movement, not able to calm down. So that's the first part. The second part, which is usually translated as remorse or worry. Now, this one's interesting. Um, when you look at the poly, ah, look, we've got, this root again, car, that's the root to do, to make, to create. And ku is a prefix. Look down here. Cone defines it as a prefix used to denote the badness, uselessness, or defectiveness of anything. So if we look at that literally, it's ku plus car. So it's something that's bad or useless or defective that's, that's being done. Now, you can see where remorse would come from, because if you do something bad, then maybe you feel remorse about it. Or you might worry about what you've done. But, but I would argue that kukucha, as, as I'm looking at it today, it, it it includes that yes, but it but that's kind of a little bit downstream of something else that kukucha includes, which is the bad thing, the useless thing that may be being done right now. And again, when I looked at the Tipitaka Pali reader today, I was delighted to see that they include in their definition fidgeting or fiddling. Because again, that's something that you're doing that's that's useless. That's a kukucha. So it's it, yes, it includes remorse and worry, but it also includes these things that we might be doing right now that are are kind of pointless. Okay, and then the last one, which is also a really good one, um, vichikik. Cha, which is translated as doubt. But when you look it up in the dictionary, yes, you get doubt, but you also get uncertainty. You get perplexity. So it, it puts a little bit different emphasis on it. So, so doubt to me is, it's like, mm, I'm not sure if this thing is true or not. I'm, I'm doubting it. But uncertainty or perplex, well, especially perplexity is like, well, I, I may really believe this thing, 
but I don't really understand it. That's included with Vichikicha. They're, they're both included. They're, they're related, but they're coming, they're coming at it from different angles. And if you think of, um, there's another set of analogies about the hindrances. And for Vichikicha, they have, you know, somebody who's in a desert and they're trying to find their way. And I never understood, well, how is that doubt? But if you think about it as perplexity, you know, they're, they're perplexed about which, which route to, to take. They're, they're uncertain about which route to take. So I think it's really important to think of, of this hindrance as not only doubt, questioning like the, the veracity of something or the validity of it, but also thinking of it as perplexity. You know, I, I trust it, I believe it, but I don't understand it. That's included. Okay, so that was a quick buzz through the hindrances, and that leaves us exactly five minutes left in our two hours. So I would invite any questions or comments that you have um, for a couple of minutes, and then and then we'll wrap up. Um, I see a physical hand. Olga, yes, please. Can you unmute, please? Oh, and I'll, I'll stop the screen share so we can have a more civilized conversation. Yeah, sorry, I did not find the mechanical hand. <laughs> I did not find the mechanical hand. That's, that's why I, I put my hand up. But that's quite I, all right. Um, I have a question, but uh, it's from one thing that you it's uh, you passed already. Can I can I ask maybe or not something uh, that you said, but I miss it. I miss it. It's about um, it's about sankara. Yeah, Sankara, uh, body Sankara, because some uh, authors, some teachers uh, say that, uh, for example, when you uh, are uh, contemplating your your bread, your uh, there is one part of this contemplation that you. Um, that they, they, uh, that you have, uh, to, yes, to contemplate, uh, or to, my, my God, my, my English now is failing. Um, I mean, there is one doubt about body. If a body is our physical body or is the breath. That's, do you remember this in, yeah, there's, there's, I'm not entirely certain about this, but I think in the commentaries, there's something about Kaya Sankara being the in-breath and the out-breath. Yes, yes. And I would argue that the in-breath and out-breath is, those are Kaya Sankaras, but it's not the extent of Kaya Sankaras. You know, those, those are two, and there are zillions of them. So so that, that would be how, how I would answer that. So, but, but I, I, I will. I was going to say I, I will send out the the sheet 
Um, so you'll you'll have that available, and and you can um, you can take a closer look at it there. Ah, okay, I will. Yeah. So I, I think I think we've thank got you. time for. Oh, thank you. Uh, let's let's do one more question, then and then we'll we'll wrap up. So Pat, please. Well, thank you. Um, just I may have misheard, but you used two words which I couldn't define. One was procrit, and the other was sandy. Could you do a really brief reminder? Yeah, so procrit, I'll just put it in the chat. Um, procrit, and then sandy. Uh-huh. And there, there will have been different procrits in different parts of, of India. So like, um, Magadhi, that, that would have been one procrit. Yeah. Is that like a dialect? Yeah. yeah essentially, yes. Um, and then sandhi is, um, it, it actually means it's, it's that our prefix sam. And then, oh, I forget what the, what the root is, but, but it, it means, I think it's, is it da? But it's put. So it's put together. That's what sandhi means. So it, it, it's, it's the, the rules of how, how these things are put together. Just, um, I, I didn't see the name of the person who explained it so well, but it's just exactly what, what she was saying. Got the, got the implication. Thank you so much. So, so that, that does bring us to the, the top of the hour. Um, and I hope that this was a, a useful and interesting session for you. I mean, not, yes, for kind of the intellectual mind candy tastes nice. It's interesting. But the important thing is, is to find elements of it that you can really integrate into your practice. Um, and and make your practice become more alive and more active. Um, yeah, that's that's my aspiration for today. Thank you again for for spending two hours of your Saturday here. You could have been in a lot of different places, and you chose to be here. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs>